Welcome to the John Harrison Podcast. Do you realize that 70% of people are disengaged at work? I don't think it's an overstatement to call that a tragedy, actually, because it affects the bottom lines of organizations, certainly, but it has a negative impact on all the people that work there, and their families, and the community at large. Nobody's talking about this. Well, on this podcast, we are going to talk about it. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Today, I've got a special guest with us, Keith Jones. Uh, I'll let him introduce himself here in a minute. But Keith has gone through our training sessions. But better than that, Keith and I have just become really good friends over the last few years. So I just um, value his friendship, but also value his leadership abilities and the way he looks at things in the workplace and just in life in general. So really happy that he's with us today. But Keith, give our listeners just a little bit of background of your your job and what you do. Yeah, and John, I appreciate you having me here today. Uh, yeah, my name is Keith Jones. Um, I've been working with Dillard Department Stores for about the last 28 years. It was 28 years in June. Started out kind of in a different way uh, than kind of my current position, which is in IT. I started out in our training program down in Florida which was a buyer training program. I worked in the buying office there, shadowing a couple of buyers for about five months. And then they kind of put us out in the stores. And I, in the stores, I started off as like an area manager in the shoe department. Uh, same store, I was an operations manager, like an assistant store manager. Then I moved back into the buying office for about three years as an assistant buyer and buyer. Then I moved up to Little Rock in 1998 as a product coordinator. In product development, I did that for about six and a half years. I was a trainer. And uh, as I was developing product, we started an application to communicate with our overseas manufacturers and that kind of got me the IT bug. And so after about six and a half years, I started to work with the IT department more and ended up moving down and doing second level support and training. Did that for about six years. And then, then I moved over to our application development side where I worked as a business analyst, a project manager, and now I work as a business process engineer. So I kind of take my kind of 28, 25 years of Dillard's experience for the last three years. And I kind of work on special projects and things that kind of cross project teams and work on efficiencies, productivities, things of that nature. Awesome. Well, and obviously the the common theme through all those years is human beings and whether that's customers or employees or, you know, whatever. And I think what we're going to talk about today, this this podcast episode today, is really about one topic, and it's about being an approachable leader. And and when I, and we say that, really, all employees need to be approachable. But in our sessions, we talk greatly about trying to keep people's passion burning, so to speak. And I've used examples in in our live sessions where I'm talking about a water bottle. And if you assume water leaking out of your bottle during the day or the week, that you know as if your passion is leaking away from you, it's going to be human beings that can do that. It can be technical issues. It can be things going on at home. It could be your boss. But, but what, what I discovered is that if you're an approachable leader and people can come to you when they are stressed, you know, maybe facing some burnout, things going on at home, too much on their plate, that keeps a lot of that water in the bottle, so to speak. It keeps their passion burning. So with that, you just kind of went through your story. But Tell me when you had to make that first transition of being a, a staff level, individual contributor type of employee to now leading people and how that that journey, what that was like. Yeah, uh, I've had it three different times <laughs> over the course of my career. The first one when I was an area manager at one of our stores, uh, I was an area sales manager for shoe department. I worked along with other area sales managers for the different areas in our department store, whether it be women's or men's or home. 
And the position came open for the operations manager or the assistant store manager. And there were two people in the store that had more seniority than me. Actually, all of them had a more seniority than me, but two had been there for quite a while who didn't want the job. They wanted to kind of stay on the merchandising side of things, didn't want to go to the operations side. And they were, but the store manager was told, we have to do the promotion from within. And so they promoted me to be the assistant store manager. At the time, I was 23 years old. Mm. The people that I was supervising in even my area already were mostly older than I was. And now all the area sales managers were older than I was as well. So I had an age component there and I had an experience component. But the two that did not want the job were asked who could do this job. And they told the store manager, well, Keith could do it. And so... So they recognized in you that you had... And I think that's one of the keys when you think about leadership is it starts well beyond the position. Mm -hmm. Uh, It starts, you have to take leadership and you have to invest and speak like a leader even before you take that role because you need to be looking forward. Mm -hmm. And obviously if you have ambition and you have desires, you're going to want to be a leader. And so you can't wait until you get that position to get that title, get that promotion to start acting like yeah, that's well said. It, it was interesting. I was I was just with some people this last weekend, and I was with a former retail store manager. <clears throat> He's retired now, but he said he would, at their store where he was the manager, he would eat in the break room sometimes just to listen to what people were talking about and get to know people. Okay. And he said he heard a young person, this was just a year ago, he heard a young person say, man, they gotta, they've got to pay us more around here. He <laughs> said, I need to make more money. And this gentleman said, well, I know a way you can make more money. And he went, all right, great. He said, outwork everybody around you, right? Mm -hmm. Show a a leadership attitude, do more than is expected, some things like that. And and, and again, you just capsulize that, that we don't think long-term sometimes when we're in a job. So Keith, it sounds like obviously you had designs on becoming a leader. You thought you had leadership skills and ability. You were showing, like you just said, at a young age that you had some of those characteristics. Um, What I've seen with other folks that don't think about the other side of this is the relationship side. Because there, I have seen people in my times at Caterpillar, they clearly had designs on being a leader. They were thinking, they were talking about it, they almost had an arrogance about it, and they wanted the money or the power or the position, whatever, and, and they left people in the dust sometimes and didn't think about the relational side but knowing you I know that's not how you are so how do you how do you maintain that focus on relationship but without kind of turning into everybody's best friend and again I think it it's one of those things you have to start early because if you're side by side with somebody on the front lines or in my case when I was an area sales manager with other managers Uh, Later on when I was on a project team and I was working a role that was kind of at the same level as others and I became the project manager of the team, I already valued the opinions of the people around me. I already realized the strengths that they had and was able to leverage those to help me in my position. And so if I was, you know, when I was at the store, if I needed to do markdowns, I I knew who the competent people were to help back me up if I needed to do that and I offered to help them as well. So you start that early and you, you show people that you value them. You show people that uh, their opinions matter, that, they're, uh, that their 
you know, excellence matters as well. And you recognize that even before you take that leadership position so that when you transition into that position, you've already been in a place to talk to them in a way. Earn their trust. Earn their tr- you already have their trust. Mm-hmm. You already have worked alongside them so that as you step kind of, a, not necessarily above them, because really when it comes to being a leader, you're, you've actually become more of a servant yes. than, a, than an authoritarian because you're there to support them because as the people on the front line we know are the ones who are contributing and have usually the most contact with the customer or the business. And, and so you want to be in a place to help support them and, and, and help them thrive. So if you've worked on that capital early on, you've built that up so that if you do have to have a difficult conversation, if you do have to approach uh, an area where there's lacking performance. Holding someone accountable. Yeah, you, you, you already have some relational capital that you can not necessarily cash in, but it doesn't it doesn't seem like a shock. Exactly. That, yeah. Because you're, and again, you're going to approach them in a way that shows that they're valued, that shows that, that you're going to hear them. Yeah, that's so well said. And, and most of my career, I was being sent to places where there was dysfunction going yeah, on. An issue, yeah. And yeah, the, the, our numbers weren't good. There's employee satisfaction was low. And, and what I tried to do when I came in as the new plant manager, and in most cases, I didn't know one person. I was sent overseas. I was sent to a place I didn't know anybody. But, but I remember thinking, especially as I matured, that they have to have a relationship with me and see me and trust me. I, if I come in like the new sheriff in town and we're going to fix this, this, and this, and I've got all the answers, yeah. instantly eyes rolling and thinking, who is this guy? And he's just padding his resume and trying to you know, move up to the top. So that's why I, I would always work on the shop floor. I would do things like that, but just basically have them see me day in and day out for sometimes three to six months before I made drastic changes. Because, mm-hmm. and again, in today's business world, you think, well, we don't have time for that. Like, you got to get rolling, get things done. But I had a longer term plan. And like you said, once you've got that relational capital, I like that phrase, mm-hmm. now people, they can, okay, yes, John had to hold me accountable yesterday. But I've seen him before. I know he cares about us, right? There's a balance here. With that, in our sessions, we talk about this in depth, but we'll just hit a few of these today. But there are roadblocks to being approachable, and I think that's true in life outside of just the workplace. Some of you are listening today might have parents that weren't approachable. You couldn't go talk to your mom or dad about things or whatever. So we've all seen this. But the way I came up with this list that we do in our sessions really was by making a list of all the leaders I had at Caterpillar, which is an interesting exercise. If you have nothing to do on a Saturday, just start writing down every leader that you've ever worked for in your life. And it's a very interesting exercise. And then I started ranking them from the what I thought was the best leader of that group all the way down to the worst. Again, this was subjective, but I had my list. But I noticed that everyone at the bottom of the list was unapproachable. But then as I looked at the individuals, I was like, well, he was unapproachable because of this reason. She was unapproachable for a whole different reason. But 100% of the people that I thought were not the best leaders were, were unapproachable. And again, it goes back to this idea of if you're trying to have keep people's passion going all day long, they need somebody to talk to. I mean, this is true in life. We yeah. all need people in our lives that we can talk to. That's something that Keith and I, when we meet just for a cup of coffee, we're sharing about you know, our marriages and our kids and things like that. And just as two friends to be able to do that is a, it, it, it kind of takes away some stress and it puts yeah. passion back in my bottle, so to speak from a personal side. 
So for example, I'll give you an example and I'll have Keith talk about some of these too. But for me, one of my first supervisors at Caterpillar, Pride was the roadblock to him being approachable because he pretty much told us directly or indirectly <laughs> that he was the smartest guy in the room. He knew everything. And I've got a hundred stories I could tell on future podcasts about how he acted this out every day. <laughs> but the point is we, we didn't want to go talk to him because mm -hmm. he basically made us feel stupid and he knows everything. And he never made any mistakes. So that's just one example that if, if you're putting off this image that you, you know, you know everything and you're a prideful person, people won't, won't come see us. So that's just one example. And as I go, as we talk about some of these, I will guarantee that everyone that's listening today has violated one of these. Oh, yeah. And, and as probably as a spouse or a parent or at, at work. And so none of us are perfect, but just recognizing these helps a lot, I think. So that's one that came to my mind. Can you think of a story that either yourself or a leader you had that... Yeah, and you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a little kind of off script a little bit because this applies to all areas of life. Of course. And I was talking to my daughter the other night about being a leader on her basketball team. And I said, you can never be too humble as a leader on the court with your teammates. And she was kind of looking at me kind of sideways. And I said, because if you excel and you make a great play and you're just on all night, your, your play speaks for itself. You don't need to be the one telling everyone how good you are. Yes. If you make a mistake though, or you, you're having problems and you need support, that humility then gives you a place to where you can reach out to your teammates or they've already seen, okay, well, she's not talking bad about us or she's not criticizing us. So they're less likely to do the same to you. Yes. And so I think, um, you know, I look back at people like Barry Sanders in the history, like he would always, he'd run an 80 yard touchdown and just take the ball and hand it to the ref and then walk off. Yes. He didn't need to tell people how great he was. And I think that's perfect to your point. If I'm a manager, again, I'm supposed to be supporting my associates, mm -hmm. the people who are reporting to me. And if they don't feel that they are valued because I'm trying to overvalue myself, they, yeah, they're not going to want to approach me. That's right. And they're not going to see me as a support or someone that's going to be there for them. Yeah, my, my thought was always I, I hoped that my people would bust through a brick wall for me. Yeah. Um, but they're not going to do that when they when you, they know you don't care about them. And so another one that we talk about in our sessions, which is, again, true at home and at work, is moodiness. If if you have ever worked for somebody who is, you know, is it a good day or a bad day to go see them, you know what that feels like. And, and again, it, in our sessions, I'll say this, it, you all have a right to be in a bad mood. It's not about everyone has to be in an awesome mood every day. No, of course, we, we have things going on in our lives. But leaders have to manage their emotions. Today, it's called emotional intelligence. It's kind of a fancy word, but I think it's been around since the beginning of time that if you are having a bad day, then you, you can't kind of spew that around everybody around you. Something as simple as if you slam a door to your office, if you have an office, or you throw your phone on the desk, or you kick something out in the factory floor, People are going, okay, I get the message. Yeah. Don't go see he or she today. And and I think um, Tanner Hubbard from our team always mentions this in our sessions, which is so good. You might say, well, I, I'm in a good mood today. Like people can come see me today, but they're remembering 
couple days. Well, not yesterday. Yeah, yesterday well, was yeah. not, and I'm not going to play Russian roulette, so to yeah. speak, and just hope that I get, you know, even if it looks like he's in a good mood today. So that is a huge one, I think, for all of you that are listening to this. Again, this this applies to staff level employees, not just leaders. Yeah. If I'm if I was working with Keith at Dillard's in a store, and I'm a, it's my first day on the job, and I I'm in the shoe department, and I'm working with a seasoned person that's been in the shoe department for ten years, and I ask this woman, hey, now remind me how do we do this? And she's like, hey, 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 I I got enough stuff to do on my own. Like figure it out. I figured it out on my own. I'm like. Okay, I'm not going to ask her anything anymore. Yeah. So when I when we're talking about these things on these podcasts, yes, it's we're talking about leadership, but I think it applies to every walk of life. So moodiness is another one I think that jumps out. Any others that we talk about, Keith, that that you want to chat chat about today? I would say the kind of moodiness goes along with this busyness, kind of acting like you all got. All of those are basically like you said. You need to manage your emotions and you need to you need to be consistent because the last thing your people want to do is see you rattled or see it you to the place where they don't think you maybe are there to help help them in the midst of that. And so that is also like look, think about cues that you give. Mine is my, my wife will say, I'll go and she's like, why are you sighing? And I'm yeah. like, oh, I just was breathing out. But then there are times that I'm just like, <sighs> yep. and it's, and people hear it. And I've, I've done that before where I've walked back to my desk and put something down and sighed and my coworker behind me or, you know, yep. now that I'm a team lead, I kind of, I wanted to be amongst my, the guys that I work with because we're kind of all have different skill sets, uh, but I'm the lead to kind of help guide the team and interact in different projects that everyone's working on. But if I sigh like that, they can pick up on That's that right. and be like, Is it, what's, what's up? And sometimes I'll do it almost to try to prompt conversation because I don't want to just kind of come in and say, okay, well, here's what we got to do next or here's what, the, you know, here's what the latest issue is, which is, I mean, again, it's kind of passive aggressive. It doesn't, it's not really a strong leadership skill there, but other times I don't even think about it, but they'll pick up on it. That's right. So yeah, look for those cues. Yeah, and I think busyness is another one like moodiness. I can't say on this podcast, well, here's how you stop that. Just stop being busy. Because yeah. everybody's like, I, I got so much to do. But but are you appearing so busy? Are you running around you're like your hair is on fire? And you got you know papers falling out of your arms and you're on your phone and you're running from one thing to another. I mean, at some point, people, even if you're a kind person and they like you, they're going to think, I don't, I'm not going to bother Keith because it He's got a million things on his brain. If I just, I don't, I'll, I'll wait till tomorrow to ask him this question. Well, maybe that question needs to be, you know, answered today. So, really, a summary of some of these things that we're talking about, and is that when you're a leader, you're on display. Yeah. And some people don't like that. They're like, well, I didn't sign up for that. I just wanted to make more money and have a nicer office or do this or that. <laughs> but I'm sorry, you you are on display. And yeah. so, yes, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be emotionless but realize that simply a sigh how you how you throw your phone on the desk those are things that people are watching and i think it's important to to really look in the mirror on some of these things and, and frankly um if you come to our sessions we, we again we hit this in more detail but i tell leaders to put this list of potential roadblocks to being approachable to put it somewhere where not only can you see it 
but your people can see it. Because if we just get this stuff on the table and say, wow, if I've ever been unapproachable for these reasons, please say something to me because I don't want to be unapproachable. But on the flip side, that shows your people that, wow, that's that's amazing. That's pretty humble that, that he's oh, yeah. admitting that he hasn't always done these things admitting well. Admitting and, and wants to have those reminders of, okay, hey, I need to even check myself. I don't even need you sometimes to point out where I am. I need to be able to assess myself. And that's, that's a level of maturity because we don't want to seem weak. Yes. And these things think, well, I mean, if I'm negative or I'm busy or I'm prideful, that's a weakness. But awareness is a strength. And we need to yes. embrace that and understand that if I'm aware that there are times when I you know, feel overwhelmed that I'm going to try to project confidence and that becomes now prideful to where people don't feel like I, they can approach me, yes. uh, or that I'm listening to their ideas, well, that's something I need to, to make sure I, I do away with, because that's just that's gonna hinder my ability as a leader. Exactly, and, and it's funny because I always tell people, I'm not a PhD in leadership, I didn't study this at Harvard for you know 20 years, I just lived being in the workplace for 25 years and anybody that's even been in the workplace for 25 months has seen all these things we're talking about. So, so much of what we talk about in, in, in the John Harrison leadership training, the VIP way, which is the execution model to make this happen in your culture at work. It's really about getting stuff on the table and talking about it and realizing it's not weird. We need to talk about that meeting was strange. Can we please talk about that? Because what we do is we just push all that stuff under the rug and it's strange and it's weird for maybe months and people don't talk about things. And and so again, as Keith just said, vulnerability is a huge strength for being a leader. But, but especially in our country, in America, especially with men, sometimes yeah. if you... Sh- if you show any vulnerability, then it's weak. But to say, no, you know, yesterday, I know I was probably unapproachable because I had a little bit of an attitude going on or I was frustrated by whatever. Man, I'm apo- I apologize for that. And again, please catch me on things like that and remind me because just showing people that you're human goes a long way. I and think. that's how you make those relational deposits. Exactly. To be able to build those back up. And one of the things on this list that I you know, really, especially when you move from being kind of a frontline worker or where you're going to be supervising people that were previously peers, that negativity, and especially talking about the company or your boss at the time, mm-hmm. that's something that can really put you behind the eight ball because if you were one of those in the break room or you know on the floor, oh, hey, yeah, I can't believe they're doing this or yeah, you know, stupid, whatever, yeah. that's stupid. All of a sudden you become that now supervisor and you're trying to portray this company pride or you're trying to put forward an initiative, you've lost credibility. Yeah. And so again, that's where you need to be thinking about your leadership and being in a leadership position even before you have that title. That's right. And, and, and negativity, you just touched on it. So if I come to my boss and I've, I'm having a bad day or I've got a problem and I say to my boss, yeah, I've got, can you help me? I've got this issue going on. And the boss says, you got an issue. I got a hundred issues and my issues yeah. are bigger than your issues. And, you know, and you know, my, my dog ran away and this happened and all these things. And pretty soon it's like, well, I had a little bit of water left in my bottle, so to speak, in my passion bottle yeah. and you just emptied it. Yeah. So again, you have a right to be having a bad day, a bad week, stuff going on at home. 
but yeah, I think that's that's a critical part of it. Is if you are bad mouthing the company, decisions yep. being made, other people, and then all of a sudden you now you have to put on this, hey, we're all one team and and positive persona. It's pretty hard for people to believe that. Yeah, that's right. Well, I. I want to just thank Keith for being here and all of you that are listening. We're just starting these podcasts and we've had excellent response to them so far. But I think hopefully because it's just real life stuff. And also those of you that are getting to know us, you'll find that these topics that we talk about, as I've said a couple times today, I think will help you at home. I think they'll help you with relationships. And that's a big part of why we do what we do is because most of our waking life is at work, so that's that's kind of our focus, but we know it bleeds over into home life. And I think Keith did a great job of just being humble and telling some of his stories today that have either affected him at work or at home. So, Keith, thanks for being here. Yeah, I appreciate that, John. It's funny you mentioned home because when you, you talked about that kind of pride or moodiness, one of the things that being on display, we tell our kids every time they go somewhere, like my daughter was going to babysit last night, we said, hey, leave for good. And they know it's because... You can either leave for good or you can leave for bad. And especially when, right. and, and when you, others will see you and they will either, if they, if they, if you want others to emulate you, then you need to make sure that you're giving them something good to emulate. So that's right. And my father yeah. used to tell us you're a, he said, you're representing the Harrison family wherever yeah. you are. And as youngest of seven kids, I only heard that about a thousand times. But but but, but I thought about it all the time. Oh, yeah. Like it didn't matter if we were on the basketball court or we yeah. were you know shopping somewhere or I was at school. So same thing. Uh, whether you're a, a VIP way leader or employee, if you have that mindset, again, doesn't mean you have to be perfect. But yeah. people will gravitate towards you if you're that kind of person. So thank you all very much. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or thoughts about today's episode or even ideas for a future episode, you can contact us through our website at johnharrisonvip.com or follow us on any of our social media platforms.